Hello and welcome to another episode of Breaking Mayberry, the show that never trusted the process to begin with. And one of your hosts, I'm Marty Schneider. I'm the other host, Dan Ludwig. Oh, uh, the Sixers didn't make it out of round two. This is extreme. We're going to get extremely Philly-centric right now, listeners. Uh, we're really gunning to get on one of those, like, Philadelphia podcast yeah. lists. Uh, yeah, the Sixers lost today in Boston, game seven. The Sixers never make it out of round two of the playoffs. They never have. They, they haven't in years. They never will. It was hard for me this year. It was hard for me because I wanted the Sixers to, I wanted the Sixers to go to the finals and lose because then Philadelphia would have lost like four major sporting events. I know. In six months. This season would have been legendary. <laughs> like, like I, I, I love this team. I love the Sixers, but like also if they had won the championship, they would have fought to put a fucking stadium in Chinatown. They would have put the they would have put a stadium in Chinatown. And I it would have happened. Pissed. It would have happened. So oh yeah, really so best for all of us. Quick summary, uh, for people who aren't familiar with stuff going on in Philly, uh, we have um a a whole section of our city down to the south that is stadiums. It's just where we keep it all. It's kind of like sort of has a Disneyland for drunk assholes effect. It's uh, very conven- it's, it's convenient in some ways, but also inconvenient in another. Because, like, there's only, like, one bar you can go to after the game, and it and sucks. It is a gateway to hell. It is, the, its primary attraction is a, what's the bull ride? A mechanical bull, where get to watch some women be on a mechanical bull, and a line of creepy dudes just yeah. lean against a wall and leer. But yeah, so it's all tucked away in its nice little uh, area, and uh, they want to blow up Chinatown to build a stadium there. The Sixers have decided they're too fucking good to share a stadium with our terrible hockey team, so they want their own te- their own, and they're willing to blow up part of downtown, mainly because like the Sixers don't want to share, and also because uh, the city wants us to be like New York so badly. They want us to be New York. They're trying yeah. to make that spot Times Square. They want their own Madison Square Garden. Every, I, this makes nobody happy except for real estate developers. Uh, so turns out the Sixers aren't too good for anything. Yeah, bitch. Because they lost like 111 to 88 today. <laughs> God damn it. I, I don't like taking joy in their loss. I love the Sixers, but man, hooray, fuck you. I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm I'm very conflicted right now. Speaking of conflicts and Philadelphia stuff, Dan, 10 years ago, mm-hmm. 10 years ago, I went on a bad, boring date mm-hmm. with a girl from OkCupid. And I don't remember anything about the date. We didn't have any chemistry. We weren't very, but she's, but the girl started talking about how she was politically active. Uh, and I cut the date off early. I like said, I pulled a check, please. And like mm-hmm. bailed early after like an hour of talking to her because she mentioned about some of her political activism. Uh, and she said that one of her big causes was that she was like part of a group that was lobbying to get fluoride out of city water. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, man, that's a level of new age belief that I can't get on board with. Like, I understand being like doubtful of uh serve of studies but we've proven time and time again that fluoride at worst does nothing at best it keeps a lot of poor kids from having cavities it's like being 
anti-sunscreen. Sometimes you see memes against for people who are against the idea of sunscreen. Anyway, so yeah, she told me she's trying to get fluoride out of city water, and I called and I bailed the check. Uh, today I voted for her for for Philadelphia <laughs> City Council. Holy shit! She's running for Philadelphia City Council, and I voted for her today. Because, honestly, politically, I align with her on most other things. And it's been ten years, maybe she dropped the fluoride anti-science thing. So I voted for her. I'm not going to say her name, but, like, if anybody listening is local and is, you know, into Philly politics, you could probably figure out who it is. Uh, oh. But also, I think our our podcast is like low stakes enough. Plus, by the time this airs, it'll be well after the election. I voted for her today. She's probably going to win. So that was weird. It was weird <laughs> casting that ballot. What probably happened was she went home from that date and she was like, I think I got to drop this as a political platform. It can't even get me through a date with Marty, let alone into office. I kind of had... <laughs> I, I kind of did a focus test on this platform, and it received incredibly negative reviews. Because if she's going on a date with you, that probably means you're her target demo. I'm like, her target demo. Yeah. I'm who she's trying to get them votes from. Yeah. That's incredibly self-centered of me to say. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm leaning she, into your narcissism, where she's basically like... She just, she just walks back to her manager and says, this platform is not... Going well with white males ages 18 to 35. My sample <laughs> size is that guy. That dickhead. <laughs> well, to be, I, I think you do have to, if you're looking at it from an analytic perspective, there is no more receptive platform for a, uh, for a cause that you are espousing than a first date where yeah. you can say usually some crazy shit and whoever is across the table will probably tolerate it more than they normally would. So under those circumstances, it still bombed. So yeah, hopefully that kind of like shook her out of it. And she was like, I still believe in it, but you know what? I'm going to backburner that one. We're, we'll get to it when I've achieved elected office by talking about other stuff. We're going to get a rent control and then we're going to work on the fluoride thing. You know what's going to happen is, like, one of those Project Veritas dickheads is going to, like, dig up this recording and be like, which city council person are these white guys talking about? <laughs> and and we're just going to be shocked and be like, how are we on anybody's radar? And it's just going to be like, we have interns listening to everything all the time. Dan, I have been sitting on this story since she announced her candidacy. Like, it's been a year. I've been sitting there like, can I tell anybody this? It's not that interesting. But, like, I guess I've decided now, two days before the election, now's the time to drop it. The last election cycle, a candidate called me, uh, and he was he was running for city council. Oh, um, she called me, too. She called me and asked for money and did not remember me. Or at least didn't know me my name. Or, or she probably only knew it was the first did she, she come did. up? Did she come up as a contact in your phone? No, because uh, no. Also, also, they they use like number generators too for the, all those things. Because Paul Prescott, who was running for office in Philadelphia, gave me a call, and uh, and it, he came up in my phone. I have all my contacts from when I was a drunk college activist. Um, like the call, the number that came up was Union Guy. Uh, <laughs> I and mean, I just, that's what he was running as. That That's his platform. Yeah, he was doing union shit back in the day. I didn't have her in my in my phone as, like, cavity lover. <laughs> I, like, I picked the up... The plaque the, queen. 
Uh, Nemesis yeah. of Timmy the Toothbrush. <laughs> <laughs> this bi- <laughs> yeah, just just yeah. have her in my contacts is this bitch hates teeth. <laughs> <laughs> just first name, this bitch. Last name, hates teeth. Oh, fuck. I really I pushed the character limit on my T-Mobile sidekick for that one. <laughs> I told the guy I, I had his number saved in my phone, and he immediately, like, saw blood in the water. I was like, can you donate $500? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he was like, all right, this is the best shot I ever got for a whale. And he was like, you know me. We've drank together. Come on, man. It's like that scene on the rooftop of The Departed. You know who I am! <laughs> you know me! We, we've been through stuff together, man. We sat through... Horrible, horrible presentations. We're blood brothers. You gotta give me five hundred dollars right now. Yeah, except except instead of shooting Anthony Anderson in the head, you give him five hundred dollars. <laughs> yep, yep. I gave him five hundred bucks. <laughs> he lost pretty soon after he, that. He lost. He lost. It was. I also voted. He he ran a. He was in a tough campaign. Yeah. Uh, did you you I I know you didn't give him five hundred dollars. You gave him money though, right? No, I gave him five hundred dollars. Oh Jesus Christ, dude! Yeah, I, I gave in to the moment. Like <laughs> he he was like he was like oh yeah. So uh, can you donate like five hundred bucks? And I was like uh, yeah yeah yeah. I can I can donate five hundred bucks. And then I was like. I'll uh I'll just decrease that amount slightly when the time comes to donate. And then he texted. He was like, 500 That's what we have you down for. And I was like, fuck, he's got he, like, me. He sent you a Venmo request right then <laughs> and there. Because he also had your number. It was. I think I got a text. I was like, You're- hey, man, thanks for pledging $500. And I was like, shit. You're, you're in his phone as this bitch hates money. <laughs> yeah. He, like, I think he logged off and he was like, put him on every list. <laughs> we got ourselves a pinata. Let's hit it. Oh, shit. Hey, Dan. Yeah. Give me $500. No. Run okay. for office. <laughs> I figured it was worth a shot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Today so- we're going to do two episodes, right? Because mm-hmm. one of them is just nothing. And honestly, they're neither of them are close to anything. But let's start. We're going to do seasons... Five, episode nine and ten. Episode nine is called Opie's Fortune. Originally airs November sixteenth, nineteen sixty four. Written mm-hmm. by Ben Ben Jolson and Art Bayer, and we've never seen them before. Directed by Kobe Ruskin, and it here, and directed by Kobe Ruskin. And here is your one sentence summary from Wikipedia: mm-hmm. Opie finds a wallet containing fifty dollars and must wait one week to see if anyone claims it. If not, the money is his. But let's not do that one. Let's do the next yeah. one. Let's yeah, do the let's next skip one. it. Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll come back to it. But let's let's do episode 10. Goodbye, Sheriff like, Did you forget we decided to skip that one for at first? Yeah. Did the Did you just get too into the groove? Yeah, no, I'm a creature of habit, if nothing else. Episode 10. Goodbye, Sheriff Taylor. Originally airs November 23rd, 1964. Written by Fred Freeman and Lawrence J. Cohen. Great name of a pair of dudes. <laughs> Oh, Great God. name of a pair of dudes. Give them to and me again. Give them to me again. I want to save her. Fred, Fred Freeman and Lawrence J. Cohen. D- and, those are some classy ass names. And I'm looking at I'm looking at the list. We're gonna see them a little bit later, but they're gonna do like a Lennon McCartney thing and keep flipping. 
Next time we're going to see them, it's Lawrence J. Cohen and Fred Freeman. Uh, and directed by Gene Nelson. And this is, I think, the first time we've seen Gene Nelson. Uh, is there anything interesting about him? No. And here's okay. your one sentence summary from Wikipedia. Andy makes Barney acting sheriff when he goes to Raleigh for a job interview. So that's the one we're going to start with. Goodbye, Sheriff Taylor. This episode, in addition to a lot of things, is a crucial piece of anti-Griffith show canon, especially in the context of the makeshift narrative that we've hobbled together about Andy no longer wanting to live in this town. It is validated and a crucial piece of uh of development for Barney is established in this episode. So yeah. it's kind of like it's, it's like like a continuity episode in one in Cheers or something where like story beats happen. It feels like this should be like the beginning of the end. It feels like this show should be like winding down cuz the main character has announced in no uncertain terms, I don't think I want to be here anymore. Yeah. Like Andy looks dead into the camera and goes like I'm kind of done. <laughs> yeah. I kind of don't really like this anymore and would prefer to leave. And then the show is like, Do, but we're going to convince you that you want to stay. And he's like, still don't want to stay, but you kind of have to. And I'm fine with that. I'm not particularly upset, but you know. like I wonder if there's like a meta narrative going on here. I wonder if this is going on. I wonder if this was written around the time that Don Knotts announced his intention to leave the show. Yeah. So, right? Because Don Knotts isn't going to be on the show after this season. Uh, so I kind of wonder if uh, this is kind of written to make fun of him or written to like... <laughs> poke at him like hey guess what happens when you leave mayberry chaos motherfucker <laughs> and to be clear right we've we've seen this happen before there's been a couple of times when andy had to leave or whatever and barney was left in a position of power as, as acting sheriff and it's always gone like full fascist yes it's always gone fascism and and lockdowns immediately this one goes the other direction. First off, it's important because it's the first time, and they call attention to it in the episode, it's the first time that he's getting ready to take over the job permanently. Every yeah. other time, it was like, Andy is coming back. This is the first time where it's like, this is going to be what you do from now on. Yeah. Uh, instead of like the full like lockdown modes or the full uh, fascism that he's done before, it's just incompetent. He just doesn't... He's just not good at it. It's endearing, yeah. honestly. It's endearing to watch a guy be bad at his job that he it's wants the, to be good. It's the... the. I think this is the third time they've done it. And it is the most... It is the least bad Barney has been in one of these. Where, yeah, he's just kind of been like a guy not being good at his job. He didn't... I don't think he goes fash at all, really. I think he, like, starts to go fascist, and then he's like, no, 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 we're just doing screwball comedy. In fact, in fact, I will go ahead and point this out. This is a this is a time when the, the medium was used for this. As soon as the idea is brought to Barney, and he's left alone, he's considering the sheriff's chair, right? Mm -hmm. and, his, and his theme song, which is the fucking Imperial Death March. Yeah. You know, his theme song, which is entitled Manhunt! Yeah. His theme song starts to play, but, like, almost slowly and wistfully. Bum 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 like he's about to ascend the throne to power and then he gets into the seat, the sheriff's seat, and immediately falls the fuck over. It just immediately flips over. And I it got a laugh out of me. I genuinely I just 
genuinely chuckle at that. Let's, let's, I'm going to say up top, this episode fucking rules. This episode actually kicks ass. It's funny. I laughed at this episode. I, I think it's the first banger of the season where it's like, it's good. It's good all the way through. It's funny. There are jokes and they are good jokes. And then they do the good jokes some more. And then they just keep doing good jokes. And then the episode is over. And nobody does anything. I mean, there's a lot of dumb shit that we're going to rip to shreds, but nobody does anything particularly infuriating. Yeah, I don't love the way that the episode uh, solves itself. The The third act of the episode is, thankfully, fucking deranged. Yeah. <laughs> and, and highly illegal, but, you know, it's still funny. Um, so should we go uh, through it beat by beat? Yeah, let's, let's do this. Let's do this. Okay, so... Barney walks in on Andy at the jail, and he's taking a phone call, and Andy's saying stuff like, yeah, no, that sounds good. Yeah, money sounds good. I'm not worried about it. Andy's doing zero negotiation whatsoever. Yeah, no, I'm all right. That's a good deal. All right, I'll see you in a few days. And he hangs up, and and, Barney says, you know, who was that? You know, and so I guess it was an old friend of old friend of Andy's from the military or the academy or something. I don't know. He works as a detective in Raleigh. Maybe he's a hotel detective in Raleigh. He's not a hotel detective it's in Raleigh. Yeah. It's like it's it's like a an agency of high end detectives. I mean, I think he just works for the Raleigh police, right? He's probably no, like no. like a, a PD. No, no, it's a detective agency. He like oh. hires him to the private sector of police oh, work. Oh shit! Which was a thing because I watch old episodes of Columbo and they're like, you know, being a cop pays shit. Why don't you become a fr- a private detective at a private detective agency where we make millions of dollars? Basically, it's apparently a thing that they had up until the seventies where you could just stop being a police officer and go work in a high tech crime lab. Like the thing was, like, it's not like Pinkerton's shit. Like, probably what they're actually doing is, like, union busting. I was about Andy Griffith union buster. Yeah, yeah, more but, or less. Damn it. Damn it, dude. That means we were robbed of an Andy Taylor P.I. spinoff. Yeah. Like, what, what What? if after Barney left, that just became the show? Great. Every so episode of Manhunt. <laughs> the episode is openly just kind of like, Mayberry fucking sucks. <laughs> And we hate it here. For all, like, the people that are obsessed with Mayberry, by this point in the show, all the main characters are like, this place is dog shit. (laughs) And we wish we weren't here anymore. Yeah, Mayberry's a little bit like Gilligan's Island. You just, you cannot leave. Yeah. I think think it's a little bit like, uh, like the Truman Show, right? I think that if he, if, if Andy drives out far enough, he's just gonna hit a blue wall. Yeah. The, our old theory that they're on, like, an alien zoo- so, yeah, Barney immediately gets upset when Andy says there's a chance he might take the job. He's been really thinking about it. Barney gets really upset. Like, all this time we spent together, you're just going to throw it away. You're really just going to toss this aside. And sort of to placate him, you know, Andy says, look, man, I've thought about this for a long time. I've been sheriff for 12 years. I got to move on at some point, right? Everybody's got to have a change. And you might have a change, too, pal. And he's straight up, yeah, I don't know if he means it or if he's just doing it to placate Barney. That's a good question. When I wrote down when it was happening, he is just saying this to placate Barney and to get him off of his back because Barney is like, we can't do this without you. And and sort of like, we're friends. 
I thought our, what we had together means something, and you're just going to abandon me. He's, and Andy's he's, kind of he's, act, like, he's acting like like they're breaking up, right? He's acting like he's trying. You're trying to get your girlfriend to stay with you. Yeah. No, basically, he's like doing like emotional blackmail. Like, remember that vacation in Cabo, Andy? <laughs> Did it mean nothing to you? <laughs> um, but look yeah, at this so- teddy bear I won for you. <laughs> <laughs> you look at this bear and tell me you want to end. <laughs> What's her name, Andy? What's her fucking name? <laughs> I I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it up now. They list many reasons. Why Andy shouldn't move away. Opie's friends, general inertia, Aunt B having a social life here, Barney's feelings, and at no point is Helen Crump even vaguely mentioned as a reason Andy should stay. Once. (laughs) Nobody. Once. It's like, I think these are new writers, right? We've never seen these writers before. I think that nobody, they missed the memo. I think that, like, when they came in, they're like, boy, I'm sure happy to work on the Andy Griffith show. Oh, here's our show Bible. Here's our cast of characters. Is there is there anything missing here? And Everett Greenbaum and Jim Fritzel were like, no! <laughs> and then they went back to their weird, like, LSD-fueled orgy. Yeah. They're they're in the thick of it now. They've done a couple episodes about pansexuality, and now they're on a journey. Um, so yeah, so the, everybody, I'm assuming that they got like four episodes in, and somebody was like, "Hey, you ha- you guys haven't used Helen Crump in a while," and they're like, "We haven't." And, and let me ask you a question: Who the fuck is Helen Crump? Who is and that? then they're just like, they're just like. There was a girlfriend the entire time, and I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, we forgot. We keep her in a storage closet. Do you wanna? Do you wanna use that?" Every time they handed out scripts, and Anita Coruscant didn't get one. What? How, what do you think ran through her head? Because remember, she's fucking the boss. Yes! Holy shit! Remember, Andy Griffith and Helen and Anita Coruscant are having an affair in real time at this point. Right? But so every, every time scripts don't get handed to her, and they're like, okay, we'll call you when we need you, Anita. What the fuck is she thinking is going on? What it is, is like Andy Griffith calls her at like 3am is like, listen, the wife's getting suspicious. I We need to write you out of a couple of episodes until things cool off. <laughs> like, they, we have too much white-hot chemistry on the Andy Griffith show. She's asking <laughs> questions. Uh, so, uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, 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 we'll bring you back in a little bit. Uh, Helen Crump's going to go on a field trip. The the reasons why people do say that, that uh, Andy should stay, Aunt B just doesn't want to leave. She's old. Yeah. She's an old person. Yeah. Although, the fact of the matter is, didn't, like, Aunt B, didn't she come from Raleigh? She came from somewhere else. Yeah. The first, the first episode was Aunt B moving to, to Mayberry to take care of Opie. Also, that reminds me, real quick, I'm just going to take a detour. I hate that I have opinion about this, and I hate that I'm mad about this. Paramount Plus's treatment of the Andy Griffith show is a goddamn travesty. Mm-hmm. I, hey, Paramount Plus, can you give, like, a server to the Andy Griffith show? Oh, my God. It's like watching a QuickTime video. <laughs> but worse than that, worse than that, the description of the Andy Griffith show is wrong so like the, the one sentence description that they have of the andy griffith show when you're like flipping through the, the streaming service is wrong it says andy taylor and his son opie moved to mayberry to be sheriff uh, a town that has no crime and i sit there going 
They didn't fucking go anywhere. They didn't move. They lived here. They We opened in media res. They've been here the whole time. They don't move to Mayberry. What is wrong with you? What Number one, why do I care about this? Number two, why don't you care about this? You're CBS. This is your shit. It's okay. your thing. The episodes look like they're rendered on a Game Boy Color. Like, do you, do you remember... Uh, those like old things people used to do when the when the uh, iPod Touch came out and people were like, if we jailbreak it, we can make it run the Matrix. And then it was it looked like absolute dog shit. It looks like that. I saw a video like a TikTok recently of somebody who got doomed to run on a TI eighty six like Texas <laughs> Instruments calculator. That's what it looks like. Yeah, I hate this. Uh, there's get your shit like, together, Paramount Plus, or I'm not gonna give you the money I don't give you anyway. Because why would I pay for Paramount Plus? <laughs> oh God, it, I I'll be watching it and I'll be like, well, that's either Andy Griffith's head or a moving car, and I'm not sure which it is. <laughs> okay, so so they they can't move because well because Andy's got dependents, right? He's got an old lady now and. Uh, a young boy. And Opie's like at the age, he's like what, nine? Mm-hmm. Eight or nine now? Like he's probably fourth grade. This is your last opportunity, right? If you have a kid, you've got until they hit double digits to move mm-hmm. before you like destroy their entire life. Yeah. So, like, if he's going to get out, he got to get out now. Or he's stuck there until uh, Ronnie Howard graduates college. He's stuck there until Ronnie directs Apollo 13. And MP's arguments why they should stay are dog shit. It's, yeah. it's basically just like, all my friends are here. All of Opie's friends are here. Which, okay, those aren't dog shit arguments. Those are actually extremely those are, valid. Those are good arguments. But it, I am happy like, here. Yeah, I am happy here. Are, but it, she doesn't even really mean she, that the, hard the on way she, The she, way she phrases it is, we're so... She doesn't say, my friends. Do you see? You're adding the word friends. Yes. What she says is, we're so used to everybody here. That's what it is. I she did says, a better version of her everybody arguments. here. Exactly. It, yeah, you're, you're saying what it should have been. She says, I'm used to it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Which I is a much more realistic way of putting it. This place is comfortable. And her secondary argument is, you basically run the town. She says you, that out loud. Just she in says case that anyone's wondering, says, everyone's aware of it. We've been saying for years that the town isn't aware of it. The town's aware. You are the benevolent dictator of this town. I'm pretty sure both mayors are dead. And they just have not filled the office. It's just kind in a kind of a state of anarchy when you're asleep. Her her next argument is uh, that when he leaves, Barney will destroy the town. Yes, <laughs> like he he goes like, well, you know, the town pretty much runs itself, and she goes like, more like runs itself into the ground when you let Barney become mayor, and he's like, I laughed at that line too. Yeah, it was pretty good, and he just goes like, well. He references the previous times they've done this plot where it's like, yes, it has been a disaster the previous times, but he knew I was coming back, so he knew I could bail him out. Now that he has the actual pressure to be good at this job forever, he will get it together. So he does actually display, like, faith in his friend. Yeah. He yeah. he is like, when push comes to shove, Barney will be good at this job. So, so and, j- again, poking holes in our in our analysis, right? Uh, we've been thinking for a while that he's just stuck with them. No, he genuinely believes in Barney at this point. Or 
he's lying. <laughs> yes, he's Again, lying to himself. <laughs> this and to and to his aunt B. Again, this man lies all the time. <laughs> so I I I think at this point, uh, important thing is Andy truly does not give a shit what he happens to this care. guy. He fucking. <laughs> hates this place and he hates everybody in it and he just wants to leave and he's willing to just basically give barney a job that he is in no way qualified to do if that can happen i'm i'm still convinced and i don't remember how long it's been in showtime but the turning point here was definitely that like old girlfriend from high school that showed up and said hey come live in chicago with me and he turned it down and for months since then, he's year, maybe a year now. It's just been in his head. He's just like, I should have gone to Chicago. Yeah, should have gone to Chicago. Oh, oh, Opie could go to school in Chicago. Like, yeah, he's he's been sitting there just sitting on. I should have gone to Chicago, uh, and it's just been buried in the back of his head for years, and now or for like a year now, and now he's looking for a way out. And this show goes on for another three goddamn seasons. So. I, I, but now that I'm thinking about it, like he could move to Chicago, I'm gonna say he would get eaten alive oh, in he would Chicago. Be miserable. He would, he would, because he they would be like, Griffith, did you go fishing at two in the afternoon in the middle of a case? And he was like, Yeah, man. Just, you, you, you got you got this big lake right here. It seemed like shame yeah. to not take advantage of it. Griffith, it's like like, Griffith. Three men were killed. (laughs) (laughs) Griffith, how how did you solve this homicide? Well, you know, I I asked politely. I asked if anybody uh, knew who did it, and they all said that uh, nobody did. And you know, I you know, I I trust in the word of people, and you know, these things sorted out. We'll catch them. We'll catch them. Uh, be like, it's been nine months. You've been (laughs) sitting on this forever. What have you been doing? Yeah, like I would have liked get, to see he, that spinoff. We just keep yeah. getting glimpses of better possible shows. He go. can't move anywhere north of the Mason Dixon. If he goes, if, if he like goes to Pennsylvania, he is gonna get annihilated by basic societal oversight. They're just, they're just going to basically be like, Andy, have you done your taxes in twenty years? And he'll be like, Ah, you know, taxes. You get around to them when you get around to them. You go down, you pay, you pay like what ten bucks, and then you're good for the next four years, right? Andy, Andy's gonna be like, "Oh boy, sure, I'm happy to be here in the great city of Philadelphia." And he's gonna yeah. get off the train at 30th Street Station. He's gonna stop outside. He's gonna take one breath, and a kid on a bike is gonna run by and be like, "Hey, watch those ears! There's a draft <laughs> coming through. We don't want to lose you, old head." And then, he's, and he's just gonna ex- explode. Yes! He's just gonna yeah. die immediately. You have to get slowly inoculated to northern <laughs> roasting. You need to build up a tolerance. Like, like, cause in the, in, in, like, this, this part of the country where he's in, like, a sick burn is like, uh, you walk like you got a shoe full of acorns, and they're like, oh no! Oh! I've been reduced to rubble! Oh! Yeah. Opie would get bullied. So hard, like he would be in no, school. No, no, that I don't believe. I believe that Opie would. I believe that it would be like Tulsa King on Paramount Plus, a show I haven't watched. But he <laughs> would be, he would be like the Sylvester Stallone, just like he comes to this fucking small, 
No, it doesn't work like Tulsa King at all. Tulsa King's the exact opposite. Tulsa King's yeah, like no a, idea what you're a, talking about. Tulsa King's like a big city mobster comes to the small city of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and runs right. that shit. That I've got a feeling. Horrible. Yeah, and it's, it starts <laughs> Sylvester Sloan. Paramount Plus. No, um, <laughs> Paramount Plus dog shit all the way down. <laughs> no. Paramount Plus does not sponsor the, the Breaking Mayberry. Uh, Which, okay, okay, no, because Opie is in Chicago, he's talking to his friends, his friends come up to him in school, they're like, Opie, what the fuck, we took you to the quarry to throw rocks at cats, we thought you were cool, we had a great time, why does my dad know about it so, uh, immediately? Like, what the fuck? And he'd be like, well, my dad asked me if I did anything bad today, and yeah, I told him that. We committed several petty misdemeanors. And they're like, what are you talking about? That's not how this works. Like, it would, they just, he would be Opie the snitch because he just tells his dad everything and his dad is a police officer. Hold that thought. Hold that thought yeah. until the next episode. Okay. Yeah. Back to this episode. Right now, Opie or Andy is on his way. And Opie, by the way, is like, so when are we leaving? In fact, Opie's the only one who brings up school. Opie's yeah. Remember my his remember his dad is dating the teacher, and just a couple episodes they ago they said yeah we're officially a couple, and now yes. they've forgotten her entire. I'm sorry, I can't get over this. Uh, it's insane. I like this moment. I like this bit. I like this moment where Opie's like, "When are we going?" And Andy's like, "I don't know. It'll be a while. Like I gotta take the job, and you gotta wait till the end of the semester of school." And Opie's like, "You sure? Can't we go before my spelling test?" And Andy says something like, hey, man, they give spelling tests in Raleigh, too. Go do your homework. Yeah. It's a good moment. I like this. It's a nice little moment. Good. Andy, it, but, look, look, even the thought of moving away makes him interact with his child more. He's like, so checked out. The underlying thing is the primary reason to not move out of the town you're in is because it would because your child because your kid would be like I don't, I'm gonna miss my friends what am I going to do you're worried they'll have trouble adjusting Opie could give a fuck yeah. Opie Opie does not Opie is willing to put this entire town and his entire social life in the fucking rear view and just to avoid a spelling test either he's dumb as hell or a sociopath or he just is like these little fuckers are interchangeable they're all bl- Blonde named Todd or you, Tom. You they think, all have you think three I'm sticking around? names. You think I'm sticking around for Johnny Paul Jason? That's one no. guy. Dad. Yeah. That's one guy. His name is Johnny Paul Jason. That's who I have. These people are made of cardboard. <laughs> Opie has seen what happens when you have one friend your entire life and it's just the guy who lived closest. He has watched his dad make that mistake and he sure as hell isn't doing that. He's not He's not going to stick his own kid with an Uncle Johnny Paul Jason. Hell no. Yeah. He's he's breaking that cycle of violence. <laughs> he, he, he knows that all he has to do to make new friends and wherever they move is just go into school and be like, my dad has a gun and 14 boys are like, what's up? Do you want to be best friends? Like... <laughs> guess who's sleeping over my house to tell me about the gun (laughs) like let's go so opie is on board aunt b is not but only because she's old and doesn't want to change uh yeah and we man we've talked about this so much we haven't even gotten to the plot of the episode andy goes to raleigh Mm -hmm. and we get a scene that i think goes on a little too long but it's still funny barney training his new deputies the people that he's like trying out for deputy and they are Goober Pyle, 
here seen for the first time as Gomer's replacement and fucking not doing a good job of it. Yeah. An old man named Judd and Otis. And Otis is the only bright spot of this entire shtick, man. Otis Otis and uh, Barney. The other two guys are superfluous. This entire scene, and we've done it before, I don't care, could have just been Hal Smith and Don Knotts dicking around and for the exact amount of time, and it would have been better. Uh, I have so I I have some thoughts about this lineup. My first question, Goober Pyle is wearing a hat. That's his hat, it's, his it, whoopee cap. It's his hat for the whole thing, yeah. and it's the same hat that Jughead wears, right? It's called a whoopee cap, yes. The, the, my question was giving me, is that a real fucking hat that's a, that that's people re- actually wore in real life? That's a real hat that people wore in real life. It shows up in several movies. It is often worn by mechanics, so it does work in, in Goober's favor. Is, so It looks so fucking stupid. I didn't realize that was a real hat outside of cartoons. I had one for a while. I think I lost it when I moved, but yeah. Burn it. Get rid <laughs> of it. <laughs> I swear, it, it, if you put that on today... Like, Sarah would just knock on the door and be like, apparently we're divorced? I don't know. I just got a text, and I guess I'm leaving you. Oh, it's the hat. You're what you're wearing that hat. All right, I'll see you later, bud. Like, <laughs> instant relationship ender. All right, well, I feel like I got to put this to the test now. Uh, yeah, that, that's a real hat. hat. I, got, I got no issues uh, with the hat. What else you got? Other notes. Okay. The other thing is, so Otis... Otis is back. He hasn't been in the show. I haven't I seen think, Otis in a while. Like, a yeah, year. definitely not this season. And he's um, not drunk. He's not drunk. Otis has a real sad energy <laughs> to this. Like, Otis seems depressed. He's still funny. Hal Smith is still funny. And they still got that banter. But I think Otis quit drinking <laughs> and his life is bottoming out. I he's not drunk and he does not seem like sobriety is treating him great. Uh <laughs> he's he's just it, going through withdrawals for this entire time. That's okay. Don't yeah. worry. Don't worry cuz we're going to see I see at least 3 episodes coming up where Otis's name is in the title. So Okay, uh, cool. So uh, Hal Smith is back, baby. Hal Smith is back. Hal Smith is back. You know who else is back in this episode? Howard McNear. Yeah. He's he's and, He's still not standing, but he's like able to do lines and be in more than one scene. And he's, you know, he's doing bits and he's doing the weird, the, he's back doing Floyd's weird, whatever the hell it is. I was like happy to see it. You know, we had somebody in the Discord uh, theorize that the reason why we kept seeing Howard McNear planted, even though he clearly wasn't ready to come back, uh, is because maybe he needed those appearances to keep his SAG health care. Yeah. Yeah, he probably Which needed tracks. like a certain number of of credits. I don't know if that's how SAG worked in the 60s, but it seems like it. So he probably needed his health insurance. So I think that they just gave him like a scene here like every 6 episodes to fill his contractual obligation so he could keep his SAG membership. Which is deeply and sad. But they're they're leaning Yeah, America's a nightmare. They're leaning <laughs> into the fact that uh Howard McNear can't stand up. Um, they've dialed up, Floyd is senile now. <laughs> Floyd, yeah. is, Floyd is severely cognitively impaired. He does not know, like, he's never really known what's going on, but his things were always 60% awareness of any given situation and pervert. And <laughs> they dialed down the pervert and dialed up the situational unawareness. I don't think that they dialed down the pervert, my man. I don't, what does he get I, horny I would, about? I would disagree with this. 
Okay. Let, let, I, let, I think let, he let, has let, too let, little let, situational awareness to be let, let, Let's run through. I'm just going to run through the event real quick and we can talk about this. Yeah. Okay. Things do not go well when Barney uh, steps into this. And this is just be, he, he tries out his deputies. He's got Goober, this old man Judd, and Otis. And for the like day and a half that he is uh, sheriff, the phone is ringing off the hook. A little boy gets his head stuck in a sewer grate. Goober tries to like direct traffic and suddenly like 12 cars descend upon Mayberry, including a whole fire truck. So there's a massive traffic jam and people are all stuck in town square. It just it does not go well for him. He is very stressed out. Uh, yes. So in order, it, Barney realizes that he does not want to be sheriff. And in order to get Andy to stay, Barney puts his team, his crack team, Judd Goober otis and floyd together faking a crime spree they do an andy con in reverse they're trying to con andy and pretend that there's a crime spree and he has to stay so they go around faking felonies including faking an assault and uh, robbery on floyd's barber shop uh so this is why i think that they, they didn't they didn't uh dial down the pervert is because uh andy shows up you know, to the call at Floyd's after they've made it look like he's ransacked. And Floyd is sitting in the barber chair and he says, Oh, Andy, Andy, there was a big man. Andy, there's a big <laughs> man. He assaulted me. He, he pushed me, Andy. He shoved me. I've never been shoved so hard before by a human being, Andy. Oh, oh. no, 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 no. <laughs> he does that. Oh. He does it. <laughs> oh god listeners you heard a noise that marty made at the end of that and i want you to know that you're you're imagining a facial expression that he did along with it and i want to know yes you are imagining right he did do that with his face as he was doing that last oh, sound we really got to start recording video on these oh we really don't <laughs> I think, I I think like our service providers will revoke our internet access. The FBI will come and take your hard drive if you put this on YouTube. So uh, that's it, right? There, the highlights of this. Let's see. Uh, let, let's run back. And so, anyway, anyway, that's my my point is Floyd did not have the pervert dialed down, and yeah, it 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 works that they're playing him senile because. Floyd was always there, right? He was always gone. But now he's now he's like um he's like a little muppet basically where he just sits there and uh and he's basically just like a sock puppet that's next to Barney that doesn't understand anything that's going on. So Barney is like, "Hey Floyd, lie to Andy." And Floyd is like, "I'm going to tell you exactly what happened, Andy." He's like, "Damn it, Floyd." Uh, yeah. Like actually it really works. There there is kind of a nice nice shot composition that I thought where like They've got Floyd in the foreground, and it's slightly at an angle. He's sitting on a bench because he can't stand. And Barney's, like, leaned up against the wall behind him. Uh, and it's a really nicely composed shot that they had to do, probably, because uh, uh, Howard couldn't stand up. And yeah. I really liked it. It, it looked good. It, it worked for the scene while Barney's sitting there pouting and, like, upset and scheming. I liked a lot of this stuff. Um, so... I, I do want to let's let's go back because we kind of light speeded through a couple of plot points. So yeah. I do want to go back to basically Barney being sheriff is a disaster. And the and normally when it's a disaster, it's because Barney does something fascist. 
What Barney does wrong is he uh, does an open draft for uh, for deputies, uh, for recru- deputy recruits, basically people that are going to try to be deputies while Andy is out of town, and then one of them will be promoted to full time deputy when Barney gets the job. And uh, what both Barney, what both Otis and Andy say is, "So uh, nobody signed up, huh?" And Barney's like. Yeah, yeah, nobody signed up. So basically, he has the three dipshits that he could. They don't want to be here. They don't want to be there. None of them. None of them want the job. Basically, the problem is nobody wants the job of being Barney's deputy. Probably because the job is being Barney's deputy, and there is vast historical evidence that that goes badly. Basically, they all just tell the tales of like, man, you should have heard the shit that that Gomer Pyle got put through when he was a temporary deputy. Man, Barney really put him through the fucking ringer. And, you know, he's the simpleton who lives behind a gas station, man. Like, you, you, don't, want a, you don't want any piece of what that man's dishing out. Go, let's talk about Goober now, right? Let's talk about Goober. He sucks. He sucks shit. I don't, he, I don't know what's supposed to be funny about him. Gomer, I knew what was supposed to be funny. Goober, like, I guess the one joke is he gets a little too close to Barney. He like doesn't know what personal space is. He's not well, he's not playing dumb guy really well. He's not I, I don't he's dumb. He's he's dumb guy. He is dumb guy, but he's way less way less specific of a version of a dumb guy as Gomer Pyle was. And Gomer Pyle's rendition of a dumb guy often made us very uncomfortable and we often had several issues with it both uh comedically and uh story and uh morally morally um but you know he was a guy who was dumb in a very specific way and had a very specific way of being dumb at least i got it Goober Pyle is just a dumb motherfucker, but not even that dumb. Does he, he do under- does he do anything dumb in this episode? It kind of just seems like he's not paying attention. He they have the one joke where they really give Goober his time to shine where Barney goes like, "All right, I'm going to give you a pop quiz. Uh a fire engine, an ambulance, a police car, and some other car are all going through an intersection at the uh, at the same time. What do you do?" And Goober just goes, that's going to be a pretty good crash, huh? And that's a, it's a good joke. I laughed at it. It was, yeah, it was a good joke. But that's really the only time where they give Goober anything to do. And then his other dumb guy thing is that actual situation happens and Goober trying to direct traffic just causes a massive traffic jam where everybody is furious. Uh, you know, I think I think the problem here is we see the traffic jam after it has happened. Like, we yeah. don't see Goober directing the traffic. I feel like that would have been a good opportunity to let this new guy shine is do the bit where he is, like, trying to direct the traffic and it fails and it results in this jam. Instead, they just put all the cars together and then had us show up. Be like, look how bad this is. So it didn't well, it didn't really, like, make, give Goober anything. And Goober is just like, well, I don't know what happened, man. Bye. <laughs> The problem is, is that for all of our issues with Gomer Pyle, uh, Jim Neighbors is fucking hilarious. Jim Neighbors Jim is funny. Neighbors, you watch him on the, what is the Carol Burnett show? Carol the one Burnett that he show. was also yep, on? Yep. Yeah, he annihilates on the Carol Burnett show. He's genuinely a hilarious motherfucker. Uh, so if you put Jim Neighbors in that situation where he, or Gomer Pyle has to direct traffic, he's going to do some shit, it's my man. It's going to be so funny. 
he's gonna it's gonna be some hilarious physical comedy this dude this is just some dude he's just this a guy just some guy <laughs> who is just delivering lines to you and is i'm gonna call probably going to be really fucking annoying moving forward yeah um he's gonna be a very piss poor replacement um but yeah so barney's real sin going into this is he got a bunch of fucking losers. Um, Otis is the least loser out of all of them, but Otis does not want to be doing this. Otis repeatedly tries to to not do this. Is like, I would like to leave very much, and I have no ambitions to be your deputy, and you are pretty much forcing me to do this, and I'm telling you right now, hand on a Bible, I'm going to do a bad job. And Barney is like, tough shit! Um, he assaults a child. He <laughs> So yeah, so he gets to the, the, a child in this episode. It gets to the good part of this episode, which is just a Rube Goldberg machine of nightmares. As basically each of the deputies go on their own separate rampage. They don't show what Judd is doing, but he is stealing fruit. So <laughs> Judd, while Goober Pile is causing a massive traffic jam, Otis is accidentally assaulting it. He tries to help a child cross the street and just drags an unwilling child <laughs> across pavement. And and, his, uh, and his, his and the child falls down and is injured. And then the punchline is like his mom comes in. And it's just like, we live on that side of the street. <laughs> And then Otis comes back and he's like, that mom just beat the shit out of me. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> meanwhile, while, meanwhile, while this is happening, Opie still ha- Opie's friend's head is still stuck in a sewer grate. I cannot, which is, I cannot stress enough. A child is in danger and it's just had his head stuck in a, in a grate. I don't even know how it happens. At first I just, thought they said hand, but no, they say the head. A little boy. He got his the little boy is just like Winnie the Pooh, just like with the rabbit hole, just just like looking down at just, the sewer going, hope there aren't any clouds here. <laughs> just like Opie, if this had gone on a little longer, like Opie would have just come in like, raccoons, we got raccoons in the situation. They're coming up from the sewers. I think they got one of it. They got his nose. We're not sure. There's a lot of screaming. We do know that there is blood. So what's like the ETA on the public works people that you called? Because the situation does seem to be deteriorating. I have to say, uh, Barney does handle this in, like, the most realistically cop way possible, which is call someone else. Yeah, basically, like... good, good, right? He he called Public Works, and he was like, hey, man, there's a kid stuck in a drain. Uh, You guys want to do that? Okay, bye. Yeah. Fine. That's fine. I'm fine with that. Actually, yeah. Honestly, that's... uh, uh, yeah, it's a defund the police shit because what modern what Philly PD would do is be like, all right, let's get a couple of crowbars and try to get that kid out. Oh, what well, we crushed him? Fuck shit! Uh, frame somebody, frame somebody. Uh, don't worry, don't worry, small child. I'm just gonna shoot the grate and uh, yeah, <laughs> we're just gonna shoot it off. <laughs> all right, we killed the kid. Don't worry, cover it up, and this will be a true crime mystery in nine years. <laughs> They'll be trying to solve the mystery of Great Boy. Uh, but yeah, so. He calls somebody to uh, to come, and this should be his full I did, attention. I didn't think this scene was that funny when we watched it, but now that we're like talking it through, I think it's very. I think it's hilarious. The the one the thing that I like the most about it is while you see what Otis is doing and you see what Goober is doing, you're only getting hints at what Judd is doing from phone calls that Barney is receiving, where he has to go on the phone and be like, "You can't just steal shit." Like, just because you're a deputy doesn't mean you get free stuff. So off in the distance, 
Judd has taken this police badge and it's just on a rampage. An old, old man is just walking through the produce section being like, Like, boom, that's mine. Gonna confiscate this and confiscate this. And oh, that's a chocolate bar. That's definitely getting confiscated. Boom. Yeah. (laughs) So that that is my favorite part, that there is just an old man fucking ravaging the town. He is a he is locust. I wish we had um, gotten to actually see any of this, but also I kind of think that not seeing it works too, right? Like just leaving it to the imagination. I, I think the thing that like works the best is like in and whenever we give the uh, the Andy Griffith show praise, we just basically talk about a time that this would have done it worse because like if they if they had done this like prior, the prior season, this scene would have gone on fucking forever and it would have been really slow and there would have been a lot of talking in between and this whole thing is like three minutes yeah like it's so fast it's a fucking machine gun like you can barely keep up with the next thing that is happening like aunt b just comes in and like yells like what the fuck is going on and then like he has to talk to the people because the kid's head is stuck in it still and the service worker people can't find him and then he gets the call about judd robbing people blind well i think i think it's right you only have 22 minutes an episode so you have a choice you can either show these antics or you can show the other antics later uh which is barney and company trying to like have fake crimes and i think they made the right call those antics are significantly less funny Really? Because yeah, I think those yeah, antics maybe. aren't yeah. that. I I think. I mean, this we're we're, we're, is, we're trying to compare what is there to what's in our imagination, so it's not. Yeah, fair. yeah. Um, I think the scene where it's a machine gun and it's a lot of um, you you don't really you're not. It's all kind of happening off camera, so it's left to your imagination. Is way funnier than when they have to explain all the antics. They have to tell you that the antic that they are going to do and then they have to do the antic and then they have to debrief after the antic to talk about how well the antic went. Yeah, that's true. Barney Barney like calls Andy in the middle of the night and says, "Hey, hey, Barney or Andy, there's a bunch of kids out in the street. They're whooping and hollering and honking horns." And then it's just oh. Gomer yelling, "Whoop, whoop, 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 whoop." Sorry, yeah. Goober. God damn it. Goober. Yeah, it's going to be forever. So to to explain why that, the crime that wave also is made me laugh. <laughs> this is this is the uh, the insane decision that that is made. So Andy gets back and Barney is like, I do not want to be sheriff. I am not cut out for this. This is not the job for me. Um, I want to stay a deputy. I want Andy to be the sheriff, which is uh, honestly a bewildering moment of clarity from Barney Fife yeah. where he realizes that he can't do something. I mean, he lies um, to himself and convinces himself that it's because he wants to be out in the street and he doesn't want to be stuck a behind a desk. Action. You know, he's but, like, but whatever. 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 Whatever you gotta yeah. tell yourself to sleep at night, man. I don't care. You know, yeah. But, so Bar- Barney has great. admitted that he has limitations, so I'll take it. Incredible character growth. Exponential character growth. Huge, the, like, the level up thing is happening. Like, like Barney has has achieved basic so uh, basic awareness of himself. It's literally the uh, end of Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. Yes, he, the sword comes out of his chest. That happens, but Andy comes back and is like, you know, I gotta think about whether or not I'm gonna take the job. Um, you know, it's it's a good offer. I'm just gonna I'm gonna think on it. And rather, and Barney says we need to fake a crime wave so that Andy thinks that he can't leave because he is trapped here. When the alternate thing is just 
let Andy leave and don't take the job. Just like continue being a deputy and they'll send a new sheriff. Yeah, so that's the catch, right? I get this because like you don't want this job, but you also don't want anyone else to have it. And you don't know who mm. they're going to send, right? So like... It'll it'll be somebody that'll hold him to basic accountability. Right. Barney doesn't oh. want that either. So like it's Andy or nothing. Oh, right. Because a new sheriff would fire him within 30 seconds. Oh, for sure. First, as soon as he explains the one bullet thing, uh, then, or accidentally shoots near a child, the new sheriff is going to be like, whoa, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> you, holy shit. This is the worst thing I've ever seen. We need to have a lot of meetings. Okay. Yeah. No, Barney's actions make more sense. Yeah, now. it makes sense. I know what they're doing here. Yeah. So they go about faking the crime wave. They do the youths hooping and hollering up and down main street um so barney wakes andy up in the middle of the night they fake a um a robbery of the gas station by goober where not that uh, funny like not that funny he he makes up too menacing of a robber yeah um, yeah uh, and i guess this is also the new guy george Lindsay's trying to shine andy drives up says hey man what, what happened with the robbery uh, a man came in with a black mask uh, he was driving a red sports car and he had a shotgun. And Andy was like, he had a black mask and a red sports car. And he didn't think that was weird and a shotgun. Well, maybe he was hunting ducks with a mask. Well, they are out of season. I, I eh. is that funny? I don't think that's funny. Eh, whatever. Uh, the, the, comedically, the whole thing is on a is on a downhill. From it's here. it's such a weird like th- this is where things get muddled. Like like you said, the third act of this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, I do like but, the bit where uh, where Barney is in one is standing in between two cars, one driven by Go- by Go- Goober and one driven by Otis, and the two cars drive off in other directions, and it makes Barney just like flip and fall down. I thought that was funny. It was pretty great. That was, was good. That was good. Yeah. Ultimately, um, and- I'm just gonna re- run us to the finish here, if you don't yeah. mind. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ultimately, it just kind of ends with Andy going, "Don't worry about it, man. I'm not taking the job." Yeah. And and Barney's like, you're not taking the job? And Andy's like, yeah, I'm not taking the job. Because reasons. And also excuses. And also, yeah. uh, you know, another word for reasons. <laughs> he uh, It's not really explained what made him change his mind. Like, I, I think he says um, Aunt B really doesn't want to. And Opie is in school here, so I guess it's not... Basically, he went home and Aunt B was like, I have... I'm dousing myself with gasoline and you will get me out of this building as a charred corpse. We... Like, I will light a match. I will burn... Like, I am protesting Vietnam, which we all should be doing right now because it is going on. Yeah, so I think it's basically like... And be filibustered for not uh, for not having to move. It's just her. I, I guess he, I guess we don't need like a big moment to change Andy's mind. In fact, if anything, it's better that he just went, eh, nah. <laughs> yeah, but like it would be if Barney's plan was successful, it would be the worst thing he'd ever done to his friend. Right, and, like, and, and Andy doesn't believe him for a second. He's like, man, you're I know what you're doing, and you're bad at it. Like, yeah. And then he just says, don't worry about it. I'm staying here. And then, you know, we're kind of treated to a moment where 
Uh, there is another tra- like two cars collide and everybody's yelling and arguing about it. And Barney's like, "Later, sucker! It's your yeah. job. You got to deal with this." And also, I'm sitting there just like, "Barney, you still have to do stuff here. You're the, <laughs> like, you still you have still to be ha- someone play. involved, right? Like, you need to it's- help." There's a, oh, there's God. also a very funny bit about Barney throwing a tomato at Otis to test his reflexes. Uh, and Otis is very upset about it because he gets hit with the tomato. And they wait on that. They wait on that joke for 15 whole minutes. And the stinger is actually funny because Barney steps out and Otis just nails him with the tomato and goes, ha ha, see how you like it. And then runs away like Wario. Like, Yeah, it's fantastic. It's good to have Hal Smith back. It's good to have him back. It's good to have him back. I'm yeah. Ratings on this episode? Like, I, Andy I'm going to give it Andy. 10, bitch. I'm going to do a 10. I'm not going to go a 10. I'm not going to go as high as a 10 because the, the third act is kind of a mess, but I'm going to give it an 8. I, I'm feeling frisky. I'm going to give it a 10. Let's go. It it's eight. the first one I've liked in uh, in months. a while. In a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm going to give it an 8. Uh, I liked, you know, I like this episode. Andy, Barney meter. I don't think I think there's not much, right? There's nothing. There's the Vietnam points, but other than that, I mean. Yeah, zero. Um, there, There's no, I think, so we had to graduate the Barney meter to um, societal horrors, which I think <laughs> is what it should have been to begin with. You know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, we had to, we had to do that. Um, but we can go, let's do uh Barney meter junior <laughs> where we just do the thing of like, <laughs> like stuff that makes us personally upset. I mean, like, just that, the, that's obviously well, gotta be an Opie meter, right? Yeah. We got the Opie meter, which is just like the Barney's attempt at emotional blackmail is so fucked up. It's like if you were like, hey, I I, I think I got a, a job in Cincinnati. I, I think I might move there. And then, like, as a result, I set our friend's house on fire and was like, you can't leave. You're stuck here. Look what happens when you think about leaving. Things go horribly wrong for people. <laughs> Sorry, man. It looks like your hands are tied. Like, four more years. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, whatever. I mean, that. Sure, but that's also that's funny, right? Like that's also yeah. Funny. So yeah, I, I, it would I, be pretty I, funny I, if I did that to one of our friends. It would be hilarious if you committed arson and just picked one of our friends out of a hat. And it was just like, well, burning your house down. That would be that would be hilarious. What the hell, dude? What? What if we burned Nicole's house down? <laughs> it's like <laughs> she would be so mad. <laughs> she would be very mad if she was. Homeless. She would be furious. <laughs> If 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 we bur- if we burned down all of her possessions and left her homeless and maybe killed her cat, yeah, I think she would be very. No, the mad. cats get out, but now she has a bunch of fucking cats and nowhere to put them. She would say such snarky things. Am I leaving that in, or? I mean, one serious issue is if her house does actually burn down, I'm in some legit hot water. I mean, you framed me for murder on this show, so <laughs> what's one more? All right. Yeah, it's Be- true. Before we move on, I do want to uh, go ahead and th- give a shout out. We got a new uh, Breaking Mayberry uh, podcast review on Apple Podcasts from Lillian Appleby, uh, who writes, Def- defund the police and give the money to Marty and Dan. I really only listen to three or four podcasts because most of them are bad and they should feel bad. Breaking Mayberry is good, though. The only way Marty and Dan, also known as Mary and Stan, according to Autocorrect, thanks Obama. Wow, that's a, I haven't seen a thanks Obama joke in a while. I know. The only way nice Marty joke. and Dan can make it better is the following. One, more new episodes. We're working on it, Lillian. 
Two, a franchise of breaking dot, 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 starting with breaking the Beverly Hillbillies and working their way through the 1966 CBS primetime lineup. Maybe. I don't think we can do anything with the Beverly Hillbillies. It's too silly. The the problem with the Beverly Hillbillies, like, the reason the Andy Griffith show works is because it takes itself very seriously. It can't do Beverly Hillbillies because it's, like, it is a joke. Uh I I am into the idea of us franchising though, I do not like in this. terms of you and me doing more podcasts, but us getting people that sound like us <laughs> to do podcasts for us. I like that idea. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, 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 What's higher? Uh, you know, do you do you think we have enough episodes to train an AI version of us? That won't end well. Uh And in number three, more Marty's Comics Corner, um, mm-hmm. which I'm not. I don't. So two things about that. Number one. Um, yeah, I'd like to do it. It's just like, I've heard other podcasts do it. It's just a lot of work. It's a lot of work to effectively de- like describe comics on podcasts. So you got to have like 12 page Google docs. Uh, here Lillian Appleby concludes with in conclusion, there are too many piles on podcasts these days. Please eliminate goober. I am not a crackpot, but I should be a patron. Listen now, won't you? So solid, solid Simpsons reference that was in there. Delightful. Solid Simpsons. Thank you, Lillian. Thank you for helping out. If you want to be like Lillian, uh, you can also give us ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts or the podcast catcher of your choice. Uh, so yeah, thank you to Lillian. We appreciate that. And also, that was a good one. That was a good one. Let's go ahead and do Opie's Fortune, uh, episode nine, shall we? We can broad strokes. We this can broad one, strokes right? this one, right? I gave you the one sentence summary. We can go through this episode in about four sentences, right? Like, mm-hmm. so exactly that happens. Opie's walking on the, down a road. He finds a coin purse. It has fifty dollars in it, which is like four hundred dollars in today's money. They go through in painstaking details the rules of finders keepers here. Like they turn it in, and Andy has to give them a week. For people to come looking for it. Otherwise, it goes to the person who found it. And so for the next 15 minutes of this 22-minute episode, we are treated to a little boy thinking about the things that he could buy with $50. And they're not, like, particularly funny or interesting things. He's just like, what if I got a bike? Or what if I got a fishing pole? Or whatever. The week goes by. They count down every single second until, like, the exact moment at 3 o'clock. Opie's like, wee, I got $50. Andy convinces him you need to save 40 of it, but here's $10. Um, and then they look at, so they're like, wee, this is great. And then uh, Barney says, well, that right, everything was solved there. Let me just go ahead and take a big sip of coffee and look at the Mayberry Gazette. There's a lost mm-hmm. and found like notice in the Mayberry Gazette, which came out that day for the $50 purse. And so Andy's like, shit, what do I do now? Because Opie's so excited. And he does what what you do as a parent. What you do as a parent is you take that $50 and you go and you give that man, the person who was missing it, $50. While he's going out and doing that, the man comes to the jail, comes and says to Opie, Hey, is, uh, is a sheriff around? I was really hoping somebody found my coin purse with that $50 and then leaves. And Opie just goes, <gasps> like his eyes get really big. Listen, I mean, folks, you know what's happening here. You know exactly what's going to happen here. Uh, this is like the last six minutes of the episode. They intersect. Andy sees the old man who said, boy, I went to the sheriff's station. I talked to a little redheaded boy. He didn't know anything about it. Andy gets really mad. He's like, 
Why didn't my son say anything? He knew that was yours. He comes back. His, his, his big his big thing is, um, I'm not going to tell Opie that we saw this in the newspaper because I know that he is such a good kid that he would give the guy his money and it would break his heart and I don't want to put him through that. Yes. So, so then he's like, oh, my son isn't as good of a person as I thought he was. Yeah. Surprise! Yeah. Yes, he is. He's a great kid. Yeah, like he just he goes and turns in the fishing pole that he just bought, and then everybody's like, "Aw, good for Opie." So I mean, like, I watched this episode like a week ago. Dan, you watched it much more recently. It's fine. It's sweet. It's it's, it's cute. I it's it's not very funny, but it is perfectly nice it's it's it is too nice i'm gonna say it's too nice ah i found it basically like uh like it was like hanging out with my grandma where it's like a perfectly nice experience nothing that interesting happens but it's kind of sweet um which i mean i uh, guess there's you know i guess there's space for that but it's like remember there were like four tv stations at this time like this was 25 percent of what you could watch was this you know, Th- this is the shit. This is why these like, people are fucking obsessed with this show, because they did shit like this, where it's like, look at uh, look at two people being really good people. Like, here, do you want to see a story about some people all being wonderful and doing the right thing I, in a cute way? I guess this would have worked if you had thought for like a second that Opie wasn't going to return the money. Like. If if there had been like a minute where he was just where he was like, oh, well, should I give the money back? And like, no, no, all of this predicates on on Opie being a good kid, and it's just like, you know, so much of the show revolves around Andy being a great dad, but Andy isn't really doing any dadding, right? Because because Opie's already like he like he came out of the womb preformed to be morally upright. It's yeah. annoying. Like I, I, I didn't care for. I think that it's too sweet. It's sweet to the point of schmaltzy. I would say. Yeah, um, there's like a the the big conceit of it is, um, Andy has a big confrontation. The thing that Opie bought was a new fishing rod, and Andy has his big confrontation where he finds Opie at the store and he's like, "Oh, you're buying some more stuff with that money that you know isn't yours." I thought I raised you better, and it turns out that Opie was selling his his fishing rod, not buying and not buying a new. Thing. Yeah, that's true. He he comes he comes, he, he comes he wanted- in. That, I guess that's it, right? He does come and he he sees that oh, that he he's like Opie smashed his piggy bank to get the rest of the money, and Andy's like, "Look yes. at this maniac! Now he's out spending more." Nah, yeah, which Opie is just getting all of the money together. Yeah. Um. It's it's nice. There's not a lot to uh, yeah. There, it's there's just, nothing here. It's you know what it you know what it is. Um, and it's some Ted Lasso shit. It's some Ted Lasso shit. That's what's to to say about it. It's some Ted Lasso shit. It's it's so uh, nice that there are no jokes. It's yes. so nice that like it, it's it's so nice that it's like the antithesis of comedy. You know, like. Yeah. And here's the thing, right? I I know that we complain when characters do bad things, and here I am complaining that every character is too good. And just to be clear, I'm going to clarify my statement here. I like it when characters do the wrong thing, because that is what makes stories interesting. 
But if you are yeah. going to have a character do the wrong thing, you have to show that the thing is wrong, and then they have to learn that the thing is wrong because that's what gives your story a moral. Now, you don't have to give your story a moral. Lots of interesting stories don't have morals, but The Andy Griffith Show does have morals, you know? Yeah. So that is the clarification here. Let them, like, have them okay, do you, something you, wrong. Have them think about doing something wrong. Yeah. I have, okay, I have... I'm bitter. I think I have my summary of it. Okay. Um. This is... Not a very good episode of television. What this is, is a great children's book. This is an absolute kick-ass book you read to your kid before bedtime to teach them right and wrong. Like, that's what this is some good shit of. Like, if if Mo Willems put this shit out, then yeah, we would all eat it up and it would get a fucking uh, Pulitzer. Like, that's, that's what this is. It's just not... Good TV it's not show an that adults watch, and and that and that's what we have to give the Andy meter on, which is how do we care about Andy meter's always been clearly defined. How good is this as an episode of television? Two. If if a grown ass adult came and was like, "I love the uh, this episode," I'd be like, "Do you also love when I jingle keys in front of your face, you grown ass adult? Huh? Do you like that? You fucking weirdo!" Like, yeah, it's that's what it is. Yeah, so I think that's our review of it is like, eh, it's not, it's negative Barney meter. It's, it's great. It's like morally, it's wonderful. Do Nobody you wanna, does anything bad. You want to hear from a Mayberry Wiki commenter who disagrees with us? Oh, yeah. Def, uh, Mayberry Wiki commenter uh, on 922 2021 writes, uh, the, the, sorry, the commenter's name is Sniffascape. Mm-hmm. Definitely one of my favorites of all time. Yet again, Andy undermines Opie's character by assuming Opie knew about the money's owner. Therefore, he broke the bank in a hurry so he could cash in. However, it was completely opposite. Well, no, he did know about the money's whatever. As adults, I think the majority of us assume the worst. In this episode, the innocence of youth contradicts that way of thinking. Is it because of experiences having to do with broken trust done to us? Could it be experiences of broken trust that we have done to others? Either way, the Andy Griffith Show has a gentle way of peeling back the layers of pretense and allows us to live, if only briefly, comfortable in our own skin, soul exposed. God damn it! Um, I... Surprisingly deep analysis from the Mayberry Wiki commenters! I, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the, the fucking Onion article post to the guy, uh, heartbreaking, the worst person you know just made a great point. Fucking, that guy got us. Oh, that guy torched our asses. Destroyed it. Yeah. I mean, okay. Yeah. No, you're right. Fuck. Yeah. Yep. 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 That's. Damn it! Oh my god, I can't believe we got fucked up by an Andy Griffith commenter like this. I feel like shit. I I feel like on the day that we reveal ourselves to them, we have to send them this episode, right? Like and be like, uh, listen, like eight hundred points us. That's one for you. Like we have a mountain of evidence that you guys suck, but you guys got you that. You guys one. got us on this one. No, uh, you know what? I'm sorry. Yeah. That still doesn't make it a good TV episode. It still doesn't make I, it entertaining. It's, I, I, it's, it makes it sweet. I get it. Yeah. I, it's it's a good case for um, 
negative 10,000 Barney meter. I, like, yeah, it, sure, sure. And I'll, and, and, I'll, and I'll even move my two to a five on the Andy meter. Yeah, fuck, I'm going to give it a five, too. Okay, yeah, that you, sounds you about won. right. You won. You won, you son of a bitch. Are you happy? What's this guy, what's this prick's name? Uh, It's it's Sniffascape, which is a weird name. Sniffa, S-N-I-Sniff, A-H, scape. Uh, and right. Sniffascape does not have any other posts. Or maybe he, he has a ton of posts and I just can't find them because fandom, fandom's website is so broken and unusable. All right, Sniffascape, you son of a bitch. You won this round. We'll see you. Good. Uh, we'll we've see. finally found a worthy opponent. All right. I think that's what good. It, what if he's just... What if he's just always there from here on out? Like anytime we like really get into gear talking shit, there's sniff escape in the comments. Be like, actually, this is a pretty good commentary on classism. Fuck, damn it, he got us again. He's our Moriarty. On Twitter, we are at Break Mayberry, but we're not really we're kind of boycotting Twitter. You know, join our Facebook group, Breaking Mayberry fans. Please, please, if you like us, tell other people about the show. That's really our main way of promoting ourselves at this point, because we're not using the social medias as much as we should uh, or want to, because because Elon broke everything. We'll get on Blue well, Sky. I'm going to give you a Blue Sky say. invite, uh, and we'll get on that. Anyway... Thank you all for listening. Oh, music you heard beginning and end was done by Max Ludwig, who is on Twitch at Sleep Talkie. Patreon.com slash Breaking Mayberry. $8 a month gets you access to everything. Please do the ratings and reviews. Dan, do you got anything else before we leave? No, I think that's good. Cool. We will see you all down at the fishing hole. Boom, 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 boom,